Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Well, good Sunday morning to you, and especially a good Resurrection Sunday morning to you. We are so glad that you have chosen to join us here at Faith Assembly Church Facebook page or YouTube channel, however you're accessing this stream this morning. We are so glad to have you. Let me just take a minute here and just say welcome to all of those of you who are uh, are and have been joining our live stream over the last several weeks with all the church closures and things. We welcome you uh, to this virtual platform and of course as soon as in-person services resume here at Faith Assembly Church, we would love to have you every Sunday morning at both 9 a.m. or 10.45 a.m. There is a wonderful uh, atmosphere of worship here at this church and we always come expecting God to do great things, uh, awesome kids ministry, youth ministry, whatever your family needs uh, spiritually. We're here to provide for you so we would love to see you then. But I'm excited to share a word with you today about the power of the resurrected Christ. You know, one of the things that I have been impressed with in, uh, in the current situation, in the current circumstances, is how fast circumstances can change our vocabulary. In other words, you know, when things happen sometimes, it not only affects our habits, it not only affects, you know, what we're doing, but it also affects how we speak sometimes. It's just for example, there, in a moment, in a moment sometimes, we can go from laughing and conversing, having lighthearted conversation about the trivial things in life, and then in a split second, just a moment, the blink of an eye, something can happen and our mode has moved from laughing and conversing now to, to weeping and talking about survival and, and very grim realities of life. In recent weeks, we've, we're beginning to hear certain words more and more, words that perhaps we hadn't considered as much in the days leading up to this moment. Uh, one day everybody was talking about college hoops and hockey games or what they were planning to do on the weekend or in the weeks to come. And then all of a sudden, people are talking about different things. We're making comparisons between survival rates and mortality rates. We're hearing terms like community spread. And, you know, we're, we're hearing all these things that have been thrust to the forefront. Indeed, this crisis has in part changed our vocabulary, or at least some words or phrases have been pushed to the forefront as we consider the weight and the gravity of this moment in life. One of my favorite challenges, because, you know, in all things, we can find something to give thanks for, and we can find something that's praiseworthy. One of my favorite changes to our vocabulary in recent weeks has been the increased use of the terms essential and non-essential. Now, let me be very clear as we begin. Maybe you're sitting at home today and you're thinking, well, Pastor, I was released from my job the other day and I was classified as non-essential personnel. Let me tell you, here at Faith Assembly Church, we consider everyone to be essential. There are no non-essential people for us. We believe that every person is precious in the sight of God. 
whether we can see their worth or their value, they are valuable because God made them in his image and we, we sincerely believe that. So when I'm speaking about the term essential or non-essential, I want to make it very clear that I'm not speaking about individuals, I'm going to be referencing activities and things and possessions and so on. But there's a very particular reason for the increase of the use of these terms, essential and non-essential. And these terms are being used to bring a distinction in this present crisis to things, number one, that are absolutely necessary. So we can differentiate what is necessary from the things that we could at least for this present time do without. And the reason that I love these terms so well is because they are terms that call us to an evaluation of the priorities in life. We're now asking ourselves if the time that we're spending in certain places is really worth the risk of being in those places. We're no longer mindlessly roaming in and out of establishments, idly searching for things that we didn't even know that we needed until we saw them on the shelves. No, no, no. Now we're calculating our moves. We're only pursuant of the things that we know and understand to be essential to our well-being. We're not taking unnecessary risks. Subsequent to the idea that circumstances change our vocabulary, and it has a, a, this is an integral part of that, is that circumstances can also change our value systems or the things that we value. There are a lot of things in your life right now that for the past few weeks and for the foreseeable future, you're going to put on hold. You've You've had to set some things aside because right now in the present circumstances you've begun to realize that many of those things are not essential to your life and your well-being and therefore the reward that they may have brought by no means outweighs the potential for risk that they present. So you refrain, you don't value those things as highly as you did. In these present circumstances, you've recognized several things that are not conducive to your health and well-being, and you've sacrificed those things because now in this moment, you value safety more than you value those things. You see, there's a realigning not only of our vocabulary, but there's a realigning of our values, and our priorities are being reordered in this moment. In this present circumstance, you've honed in on what really matters. You're not going to many of the places you used to go. You're being a lot more selective and strategic with how often you even frequent the places where you're still going. You're not doing many of the things that you used to do. And whether you realize it or not, if you've been wise, what has happened over the last couple of weeks is you have begun to reevaluate portions of your life. And as a result, You may be in a place or a state now of saying the things that I once thought were fun, the things that I once thought were entertaining, the things that I once believed were the source of much enjoyment at this point, I have counted those things as secondary to my health and my well-being and the welfare of my family and the health of my loved ones. I've counted those things 
secondary. Now in this moment, there's something else that's so much more pressing. There's, so much, there's something now that is, is so much more important. And what is the most important thing to you right now is not the temporal or temporary satisfaction, the immediate gratification of the things that you're leaving behind at this moment, but what you have valued to be more important is where are you going to be a month down the road? Where are you going to be six weeks down the road? Where is your aged loved ones going to be at that point? And therefore, because of that new value or that emerged change in your values, you are making different choices. You're making different choices in life. You've taken an appraisal of life and really, really honed in on what is valuable and what is not valuable and what can we, what must we have and what can we at least for the season do without. In the book of Philippians, we read the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippian church and offering a great deal of encouragement regarding their spiritual walk. And he himself gives, gives us, honestly, a, an honest appraisal of his own life. And it's honestly serving today for us as an example, a pattern by which you and I need to judge and gauge our own selves in this moment. And in chapter 3 of the book of Philippians, so if you have your Bibles with you this morning or your uh, devices, however you access the Scripture, if you would go ahead and turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, I want you to look here with me beginning in verses uh, 4 through 6, and we're going to throw that verse up there in just a moment. But in chapter 3, we see Paul here beginning to list his credentials in life. He's letting us know, like, the merit of his person. He's letting us know what measure of man Paul really is. And he basically says this, that if we were to start a bragging contest, if we were to start a bragging contest right here, right now, Paul says, I'm ready to throw down because I would be the hands-down front runner in this competition. And we read here, we pick it up in verse 4, and we read these words, and it says this, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so, circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. And some of you may have just heard me read those words or maybe you read along with me and perhaps you don't understand anything that Paul is trying to convey here in this message. Well, let me, let me clarify some terms here for you. Maybe to you today it means nothing, and perhaps you think it's TMI on Paul's part that he shares that he was circumcised on the eighth day. It means little to you that Paul lets us know and gives us the insight to the fact that he was a Benjamite. It means little or nothing to you at all that he says that he was a Pharisee. But what Paul has said to us here could be contextualized and applied in almost any walk of life. You see, in the religious world, or I should, I should clarify that and say within the establishment of Judaism, 
Paul could have been elected most likely to succeed in the world of religious leadership. Obviously, we know that he penned a large portion of the New Testament scriptures under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, pastor, isn't isn't that the same thing? Sure, Paul is a great Christian leader, but you've got to understand what he's talking about here was an old covenant system. And he says, I was in that system, and I was doing all the right things. He had done all the right things. He had the right pedigree. He had followed the right track, and surely he was on his way to the very top. And you may hear this and you think to yourself, well, Pastor, I can see the contextualization and I can see the parallel between the career-minded person and, and, and you know, climbing the corporate ladder. I can, I can grab that real easy, but I don't think it's applicable to me. Now, before you convince yourself that this doesn't apply to you, let me continue. You see, we might also contextualize what Paul has said here in these few verses. We could also take those same words and we could say that maybe Paul is trying to say there, listen, I've been as high as anyone could possibly be. I've tried every drug known to man. I've drank more than my share. I've partied as hard as anyone possibly could. I've pulled off the greatest heists. I've ran the smoothest cons that anybody's ever seen. I've done things that have brought more earthly and sensual pleasure than anyone could have possibly imagined. You say, well, wait a minute. Paul didn't say that. I understand that Paul didn't say that. But the essence of what Paul is saying here is that you or I could could place in that spot those few verses whatever we have ever dreamt of being the pinnacle of your life's pursuits and you can insert it here and the sentiment of what Paul is saying would be correct here. Whatever life's aspirations had been for you, if you've ever had a dream and you've said, man, one day if I could, I'd like to be here. I'm telling you, Paul was on the trajectory of his childhood dreams and achieving it. It was all right there in his grasp. And this morning, I challenge you to think of your greatest goals outside of Christ. Think about having it all right there within your grasp. It's, it's, it's so close, you can feel it. It's so close, you can smell it. It's almost tangible. You're just about to achieve it. And then we read Paul's next phrase here in verse 7, and it says this. But what things were gained to me? In other words, the things that I thought equated to my success in this life. The things that the world had told me needed to transpire in order for Paul to be the Paul that he needed to be. All of those things, those things that translated into success for my life, these things I have counted loss for Christ. Paul says, I've been taking an inventory of this life. And suddenly all the things upon which I was so intently focused Those things that seemed to be so important, those things that society had told me were essential for my future, those are the things that now have fallen into the non-essential category in my life. As a matter of fact, Paul is getting 
beginning to revalue the pursuits of his life. And we continue to read these words. Pick it up in verse 8 here. And it says this, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Now, there's so much here that we could unpack, but for the purposes of this message today, I want to tell you something. Now, Paul's looking back on all of these achievements in life, all of this pedigree, all of his social standing, and now he's saying, now they're not as important as they used to be. Their importance is now eclipsed by the press of something that is so much greater than the sum of those things. What Paul's saying, listen, you know, it's the same, it's the same as it was in the Gospels when we hear the words, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Paul has got that in his spirit now at this point, and he's looked on at all of his life's pursuits, and he said, listen, I've got a lot invested in this. I've got a lot of relationships that have been forged and formed in this process. I've made a lot of headway. I'm, I've come a long way from where I was to where I now am. And it's a tough spot to forfeit these things. But I'm telling you right now, if I could get to where it is that I'm planning to go, it will never, ever, ever be the equivalent of what I would have in Christ Jesus. And he says, for that reason, right now, all of life's goals are just eclipsed by something so much greater. And the things that were gained to me, these things I have counted for loss for Christ. Paul says that what used to be considered the prize he now considers garbage. It has lost its beauty and allure. Why? Because he's found something that is so much better. The psalmist wrote and he says, because your loving kindness, Lord, is better than life. My lips will praise you. Thus will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. And Paul says, if I had kept on the way I was going, I was going to miss out. Paul's saying here the potential benefit of everything that he has ever sought after does not compare in this moment to what he stands to lose if he continues those pursuits. And what he stands to lose he expresses to us is to know Christ in a more intimate and a deeper way than ever before. Paul was not giving a testament. Understand this. If you're, if you're watching this morning and you're just online just browsing through because it's Easter Sunday morning and you feel like you need to watch some church programming to satisfy something in your heart or in your mind. Listen to me. Paul was not giving a testament about being a part of some dry, dead religion that sucked all of the life out of living and made his existence boring and mundane. That's not what Paul says when he says, listen, all those things, I've suffered loss. Some people 
have the mindset and the thought that when we come to Christ and we surrender our lives to Christ, that we're actually losing. No, 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 that's not the idea at all. What Paul is saying here is, listen, I just cut some baggage. I let go of some things that I have taken an inventory of and figured out that they really didn't matter in the grand scheme of things anyway. I just let it go. Yeah, it was precious to me at one point in my life, but I have found something so much better in Christ that has enabled me to let these things go and release them from my life. Paul wasn't looking at becoming a member of a community organization. Paul wasn't this excited about obligating himself to a life of servitude just to get his name on a plaque on some wall somewhere. Paul gives us a distinct reason for this evaluation of his life, and he says this. He says that the reason I have done this, the reason that I've come to this crossroad in life, and I've made these decisions, and I've considered all of life's former pursuits as being non-essential. The reason that I arrived here is that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul says this, in essence, I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. He's delivered me from the bonds of my past. He's established my feet and he's given me a future and a hope. Paul says it doesn't matter what I have to give up in this life because nothing is going to compare in the end to knowing Jesus. It doesn't matter if it costs me financially. It doesn't matter if it costs me comfort. It doesn't matter if it brings me temporary suffering. Paul said to the Roman church, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, I have run my race, I have finished my course, and therefore there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He says, I know what's waiting for me on the other side of this, and I am assessing life in the scope of eternity, and I'm figuring out that a lot of things just don't really matter. But the one thing that matters, the one thing that trumps everything else is that I walk and I live and I have my being in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That I live for him and him through me. That's all that really matters in this moment. You see, at the onset of this service today, The countdown rolled and the video began to play. You saw a presentation that spoke of many difficulties that were common to man and a powerful piece it was. That same video finally resolves that the answer to the greatest suffering of human need is found in the power of a resurrected Savior who is triumphed over this world, and it affords that through the power of his resurrection, you and I might live victoriously. Listen to me, church. Resurrection Sunday 2020. Through Christ Jesus, we are freed. Through him, we are delivered. Through him, we are forgiven. Through him, we are healed. Through him, we are made whole. In him, 
we are satisfied. In Him, we find strength. In Him, we find peace. In Him, we find joy. And I'm telling you today, and I'm pleading with you, if there's any place in your life that is devoid of these things, you need to examine closely and try to distinguish and try to discern are there non-essentials to which you cling that you need to release so that you might better know Him and the power of His resurrection to bring deliverance and healing and wholeness into the broken places of your life? The psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not his benefits. Paul says, I'm taking account of what I used to value and what I used to consider the essentials of life. And I'm comparing those things to the benefit of knowing Christ. And I realize, in as much as these other things are hindering me from knowing him, and walking in the power of His resurrection, these things that I once valued, I now must count as loss. They are non-essential to me because He is my all in all. You're watching this presentation of the gospel today. You're gathered in front of TV screens. You're streaming on your computers and your mobile devices. And I want to challenge you just to pause for just a few minutes sometime today, this morning, and consider with me the question. Are there non-essentials in your life to which you cling? Are you clinging to a lifestyle that draws you away from knowing and serving the resurrected Savior today? Are there habits, vices, and addictions that keep you from walking in victory? The victory that is afforded you through the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Are there things that in this season the Spirit of God has dealt with you, bearing witness in your heart that Many of the things to which you have given your time and attention here in the grand scheme of things are non-essential and that they need to be laid aside that you may enter more fully and more deeply into an active relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me help you with this good news today. Let me just interject this into the conversation of what is essential and what is not essential. I can tell you today, according to the truth of the word of the Lord, that there may be things that seem so essential in the moment, but they hold no weight in eternity. See, the only essential requirement for life everlasting. This, this world that we live in is, is being shaken. It is being shaken. Its systems are being taxed.
And I'm telling you today, it's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. I'm not saying that God sent this virus, but I'm just saying that the things that have been permitted to come into this world, it's a wake-up call to humanity. And the call and the challenge is this. It's not simply to decide which retailers are essential or non-essential. It's not to determine what activities are essential or not. But it's a wake-up call to do some real soul-searching and some real evaluation and determine in the grand scheme of eternity what really matters. And the only essential requirement for life everlasting It's not a trophy on a wall. It's not a document that bears notification of your great accomplishment. It's not a title. It's not a position. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with the risen King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's to know Jesus and to have a relationship with Him. And as you're evaluating the priorities of your life in this season, don't forget the value and the benefit of knowing Jesus and the power of His resurrection. And anything that is hindering you from that, understand that it needs to fall into a new category in your life. Non-essential. Is this going to help me grow as a believer? If it's not, it's non-essential. In this highly connected world, it's so easy to lose touch with the realities. We suffer many days and hours from information overload the busyness of life and the schedules. Sometimes we just need a season of being still and examining the priorities of life. Just being like the old songwriter once said, touching Jesus is all that really matters then your life will never be the same. Listen to me. If you're watching this message today, you're struggling in a pit of despair. You're wrestling with addictions that are threatening your very life. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he died for you. He offered his life as a ransom so that you can be free from the bonds that now hold you. Not only did he offer his life 
to pay a sin debt for us. But he also rose on the third day, guaranteeing that that victory is yours through his finished work. Today, I just simply want to pray this prayer with you. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you that while I was yet a sinner, you sent your son to die for me. I ask you, Lord, in this moment to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me and make me clean. Lord, from this day forward, I no longer want it to be me that's living, but I want it to be you living through me that I might be a living representation in this earth of who you are. And Father, we thank you for your grace and we receive that sufficient gift right now in our hearts and our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Friend, if you just prayed that prayer, we believe that you're born again. We'd love to have you comment in the section below and let us know. You can just simply say, hey, I prayed the prayer. We'd love to have one of our pastoral team reach out to you and help you with the next steps. If you're uncomfortable with that, you can certainly email us at info at faith-assembly.org and one of our pastors will be in touch with you to let you know something. But listen. I want to talk specifically before we leave here on this Resurrection Sunday to the child of God. You've been serving the Lord for some time now. The seasons of time, months have turned into years. And through all that time, you have felt and you have sensed the stir and the call of God in your heart and your life to steal away and to spend time with him, to get into the word and to get into prayer. I plead with you, church, that this is that hour. This is that time when, like Paul, we need to make an assessment of life and we need to determine the things that really matter. And maybe we have all manner of hobbies and pursuits and things to which we devote our time. And it's not that those things in and of themselves are bad. But maybe it's time to simply say, the things I once thought were gain, I count as loss. That I might know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. I pray for you that in the power of the resurrected Christ, you would have a newfound victory today in living your life. That with the dawning of Monday morning comes the dawning of a brand new day in which you realize that your Lord has overcome death, hell, and the grave and you are victorious. Devote your life, devote your time to knowing more of Him. Father, bless and keep your people. We thank you, Lord, for the message of a resurrected king. 
We thank you, Lord, for the visions that you have given the prophets and the writers of Scripture that let us know in this moment you indeed are not in a tomb, but you are seated on the right hand of the Father, high and lifted up. We give you glory today, and we thank you, Jesus, for the resurrection power that is made available to your people through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, hang around for just another minute. Our worship team has an amazing presentation for you, and I know that it's going to be a blessing. But until next time, I'm Pastor Steve saying you have a Jesus-filled week. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.